Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each and every week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. This is episode 341. Author, artist, architect Katie Hutchinson is back on the show, and this time she brought a friend. Katie and Dawn Oliveira, a textile designer, entrepreneur, they have a great new podcast, Design Me a House. We talk about how they did it, why they did it, and why you too, maybe, you too should launch a podcast as a small firm entrepreneur architect. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors. RCAT, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, BIM specifications, and so much more, all for free. Gusto, easy online payroll benefits, and HR built for modern small businesses like ours. And Monograph, the time tracking and project management tool built for architects by architects. Katie Hutchison and Dawn Oliveira, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. This is great. It's great to have you here. This is going to be fun because we're going to be talking about podcasting. And I love podcasting. I've been doing it for a long time. You're you're, uh, just launched a new podcast and I I want to talk about the hows and whys and all of the stuff that comes with it because I think there are a lot of architects in our community that would love to start a podcast and I want to learn more about yours. But let me introduce you both uh, and then we'll get into a little bit more background on you and then we'll have that conversation. So let me introduce you. Uh, Katie is a residential architect, designer, author, 
who has published two books with Taunton Press, The New Small House in 2015 and The New Cottage in 2018. Both books are meant to inform and inspire a general audience interested in exploring what it is about smaller dwellings that captivate us and can compel us to live deliberate, authentic, and empowered lives. Katie is a friend of Entree Architect Podcast. She's been here twice before. Episode 179, uh, Living a Portfolio Life, where she shared her story as an architect, an artist, and a book author, which is a great uh, episode to learn all about Katie and, and what she does and how she does it. If you are a, an Instagram fan, uh, you should follow her on Instagram. One of the best Instagram feeds I know. She lives, lives up in Rhode Island and she does some really beautiful photography and, and shares some really intentional images. And so it's really uh, a fun feed. Uh, and so you can learn more about Katie at episode 179. And then she was back in 250, episode 250, uh, when she published The New Cottage. We talked all about The New Cottage book, but more specifically, how to get published with a traditional book publisher. She shared her entire process of writing and her relationship with the publisher and how she got published. And so that's a really interesting episode as well, episode 250. So like I said, Katie's a, a, a friend here at Entree Architect. And Dawn is a new friend. Dawn Oliveira founded yes, Oliveira Textiles in 2007 to introduce a collection of contemporary locally printed fabrics marketed both to the trade and to the general public. Using only sustainable right. materials like hemp, Organic cotton, linen, and low-impact dyes, Dawn creates bold, nature-inspired patterns. After many years working in New York City designing behind the scenes with very little connection to how, why, and where those products are being produced, Dawn made it her company's mission to create healthy textiles that consider environmental impact. And I inv invited Katie and Dawn to join me here today because they've teamed up to uh, produce a new podcast the podcast is called Design Me a House, where they not only share with each other in casual conversation what they've learned and think about home design and design for the home, but they share that conversation with a general audience, the larger uh, podcast audience. And I wanted to invite them here to talk about uh, why podcasting, right? To why did they come together? Why they chose podcasting? Um, and talk about how they do that. But before we do that, I want to learn more about both of you. Katie, we talked already on two episodes. You've given your, your origin story on both episodes. Episode <laughs> 179 uh, is, is a deep dive into your whole history and your background in the design world. Um, and so I highly recommend people go back to 179 for Katie's full story. But I would like, Katie, for you to just share a little bit of your background, just for some context for our conversation here. So share that, and then I'll, we'll move on to, to Dawn and learn mm -hmm. Dawn's origin story. So Katie, give us a little bit of background on who you are and, and uh, how you got to where you are now. Sure. Yeah. So I'm happy to spare you the very <laughs> lengthy origin story. Um, so I'm a residential architect. I practice. I'm based in Rhode Island. I serve New England. Um, I'm a RISD alum. So I started off in the field in Rhode Island, moved away um, across New England, worked for a bunch of small uh, residential architecture firms. And then um, about almost eight years ago, moved back to Rhode Island 
um, because my husband and I decided, you know, what a wonderful place to live. It was really a lifestyle choice. We just wanted to come back to Rhode Island. Um, neither of us is from Rhode Island, but we had spent some time here when I was at school. And so now I am working um, out of my house on single family residences. And I have, um, you know, done a, a couple books that you mentioned. And then recently, John and I launched this podcast, you know, only in April. So this is the latest endeavor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that and that's that's why that first episode is called The Portfolio Life, because you really created this life of having many, many different aspects that you are an architect and an artist and a photographer and a book writer. And you do all these different things. Now you're a podcaster. And so you've uh, you have assembled this this. Um, this portfolio life that you sort of do a lot of different things and those things sort of feed your soul and, and sort of, you know, also allow you to share your knowledge with the world. And so it's a really inspiring story uh, to hear how you've done what you do. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate that. That was great, Katie. <laughs> so, Don, <laughs> I learned little tidbits all along the way. Well, you can listen to episode 179. Uh, I, I will. Don, Don, yeah, I, I would love for you to, to dive as deep as you'd like to. I'd like to learn about you and, and learn what inspired you to do what you're doing today and share that story from where you discovered that passion to where you find yourself today. Sure. Um, so I'll give a background here. I am originally from Rhode Island. And I went to school here at UMass in Dartmouth. That's where I studied textile design. I started out thinking I was going to be an art teacher and found textile design and loved it. I've been an artist my whole life since I was a child. So um, when I finished school in Massachusetts, I moved directly to New York. I knew that the fashion business and the textile business was based there. And there wasn't a lot up here in New England. Plus, I really was, I needed to be in New York. I love the city. So I did that and stayed 20 years. I had a studio in the garment center for most of that time. Um, I had a staff of three other designers who worked with me. And what we did in that studio service large manufacturers like Polo Ralph Lauren, like Liz Claiborne. I mean, they were, you know, both home and fashion companies. We designed the printed patterns. We painted them by hand, pre-computer, pre-digital anything, um, you know, very long days. But back in the 80s and 90s, there was so much work. If you did good work, you know, it was just a constant stream of projects. Um, so it was great. It was fun. It was lucrative. Um, and I loved being in the city. Uh, so fast forward, 2003, um, my husband actually passed away from cancer. That's how I ended up back in Rhode Island. I never had any intention of leaving New York. I loved being there, although I don't want to be there right now. Um, <laughs> so I ended up back in Rhode Island, raising my two little twin boys. There were two when I moved back here. And of course, I couldn't run my business the same way here in Rhode Island that I did in New York. You just, you know, there's a stream of companies in New York that you can work with. You can go visit, talk about projects. They can see the work in progress. Um, I just couldn't do the freelance thing from Rhode Island. So I started thinking about actually manufacturing my own product, which I always wanted to do, couldn't afford to do in New York, but could maybe do it here. And so that's what I did. In 2007, I launched Olivera Textiles, 
uh, with my sister. She was my partner at the time. And, you know, through all my years in New York, I never had any contact with the actual manufacturing. I was in the studio when I was both an employee and when I was in my own studio. We made these beautiful paintings that got shipped off to a factory. We never knew anything about what the hell happened in the factory. So when I started my company, Oliver Textiles, I thought, you know what? I don't know where my fabric's going to end up. There's so much fabric in the world already. Maybe I should do this in a different way. And because my husband had been sick and other members of my family had been sick, I kind of just thought I, I, I need to do this in consideration of trying to create a healthy product. That was it. And I started researching and found both organic cotton and hemp as great base fabrics. Um, I had to import the hemp, the organic cotton I could buy here or overseas. And, you know, I, I told Katie, the hemp just totally turned me on because it's such a bad boy fiber. It's a bad girl fiber. It's got such a history of all kinds. It's got a bad reputation. But that fiber and the, the fabric is amazing. It fits all the parameters of being sustainable. Don't need any pesticides um, or chemicals to grow it. And it prints up beautifully. So I started making printing fabric and selling the fabric by the yard to interior designers as well as local customers who understood and were willing to go through the process of custom designing fabric. Um, the fabric was printed here in Rhode Island, both by hand, hand screen printing, and digitally printing in Massachusetts, which I still do. Um, I do a lot more digital printing now than screen printing because of all the reasons that are um, connected to making a product, lower minimums, lower cost, no restrictions on color, all kinds of things. Yeah. Um, and so uh, here we are today. I'm still producing my fabrics. I take custom orders almost always. I try not to stock a lot of fabric here anymore like I did in the beginning. I realized it's print to order is just a better business model for me. And it's a pretty, pretty quick turnaround. So customers are willing to wait two weeks or three weeks, whatever it is, for their fabric. I also make pillows from that fabric and sell them um, through the studio here in Bristol, as well as on an Etsy shop. Um, now, along with all that, I still design for other large companies, just like I did in New York. I've always done both. I find it hard to say no to companies companies that want to hire me to help design their collections and it's it's another revenue stream right. for me. Yeah. Um, so I work with companies kind of all over the place I've worked with the companies in India and in New York and in North Carolina um, they basically find me online love what I do uh, my aesthetic you know the way I design and they ask me to help them so that's what I, I'm doing currently actually a lot of that um, and it's, it's fun. It's a fun process. Um, I get to see a finished collection that somebody else paid for. <laughs> none, of my, none of my money had to that collection. And, you know, I get credit for it. And they're almost always happy. Um, the process is pretty streamlined. I take on the project. I design it here in my studio. It's all done in Photoshop. And it's sent via an FTP site to their factory, you know. I mean, I, I do explain to all these clients that my mission with Oliver Textiles was to try to create a really sustainable product, not just the run-of-the-mill, any kind of conventional cotton or 
crappy polyester. But it's a hard um, getting all these other companies that I work with on board with that is not easy. Some of them say, yeah. okay, I'm interested. Maybe we could talk about organic cotton. Most of them aren't yet. Um, the home furnishings companies that I work with are a little more intrigued by it. The fashion people, although there's, it's a, there's a big movement in fashion right now, to, especially with what's happened with COVID-19, to be more sustainable, to produce less, to make seasonless clothing instead of five times a year, you yeah, know, five yeah. different collections. So, so that's an interesting conversation that we're having right now. Yeah. With some fashion people. Um, but so, so that's really it. That's full circle. Here we are in Bristol today. Um, I met Katie. Yeah, that's my, that's ago. my first question. So, so how did you both meet? So well, I, I, I met Dawn when she um, was part of a local tour they have here, which is called Bristol Art Night, uh, Bristol Warren Art Night. And at the time, Dawn had a studio space, you know, retail space. Retail and space. she was on this tour. Her uh, studio was one of the stops. And so I was new to back to Rhode Island, but new to the specific town that I'm in. And I thought, all right, well, I'm going to see what's going on uh, in this town <laughs> and in the neighboring town. And so I went to Dawn's studio and... Um, you then, Dawn, you had pillows. You had a number of things. Yeah, you were it was a lovely your... little shop. It faced the yeah. street, and I was actually selling fabric and pillows out of that shop. Were you right, yeah. I, right so, on Hope Street? No, I was on High Street. High Street. I went, I went to Roger Williams, so I spent five oh, years. Oh, you did? Yeah, I went five, spent five years in Bristol, one of my favorite oh, places on the Bristol planet. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great. So um, I um, I took Dawn's card uh, from that tour, and I thought, first of all, I thought I would like some pillows with Dawn's fabric on them. And then I thought, well, uh, I would also love for some of my future clients um, to think about using some of Dawn's fabrics um, in these residential settings. And so I just kind of um, stored Dawn's info in the back of my brain. And um, then I did end up, Dawn did do a number of textiles for uh, my husband and I for our house. Um, and that we were really happy with how that all worked out. And then um, I had a couple clients. I had some opportunities with clients who were, um, you know, using my services for full design, um, which I love because it gives me the opportunity to get into things like textiles. Yeah, that's um, fun. And so we brought Dawn in um, on, a, on a few projects, I think, several actually. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's really, so we worked together. That's how we. And um, that was my first introduction to your work. I had never seen the kind of work that you did until we started to work on what was the first place that lovely little cottage in Warren um that you redid the reworked the kitchen you renovated his kitchen yeah and so we did an addition yeah that was a whole house renovation yeah and uh, yes. so how long on. how long and have you known each other when when was that that in, that introduction at the store um i think that was like 7 years ago don maybe I think about seven years ago because no. I've yeah. been in the studio at least five years. So you've yeah. known each other for a while show. and you've worked together yeah. several times, several times it sounds like. How did, yeah. how did the inspiration of the podcast come about? 
Well, I think, you know, we had had fun working on these different projects together. And I kind of felt um, that just the our design focus and um, the, the ease of our design conversation, um, I just thought it would lend itself. And I loved that Dawn is coming at the design world from a different place than yeah. I am. Um, and I was also really impressed with the sustainability approach of Dawn's business and kind of your core mission, Dawn, um, that you feel you're very feel very strong about. It's very clear what her mission is. And Thank I think you. Dawn communicates really well. So I thought, well, that, you know, that could work well in a, in a podcast situation. And Katie is tenacious, persistent, <laughs> and and funny. So I was going to say no to this podcast, I'll have you know, because I'm, I, I live in the studio. I work 24-7. I said, how the heck am I going to fit a podcast in? But, I think that, you know, was it, that was the biggest hurdle. We were like, wait a minute. Like, what kind of time commitment is this? You yeah. know? Exactly. Um, exactly. But as so it I turns out, it's fun. It's a really nice diversion for me to get out of the studio, at least in the beginning. Now I'm in the studio doing the podcast. Right, right. Um, but it was fun, and uh, and I really do enjoy talking to Katie and discussing both of our career paths and, you know, how we relate to each other. Uh, and it's fun to talk to an audience about what we do. What's the what's the podcast about? It's called Design Me a House, so people can go subscribe to Design Me a House podcast. What What is it about, and, and who's the audience? Well, the audience is, I mean, Dawn's point is, it. we really want it to be a general audience. So it's mm-hmm. it's homeowners and or, um, you know, interior designer folks. Um, I think of it as really the same kind of audience that I'm trying to appeal to in my books. Mm-hmm. Um, so people who are already um, professionals, people who are already architects or maybe textile designers themselves, um, they may be more tangentially interested. We're really, I think, trying to reach our, all of our shared clients and customers um, with information that I just think uh, will help them no matter what stage of a design project they're in or how big or little that project is um, to kind of familiarize a general audience with the language of design. And process, not just architectural right? design, but interior design. And um, really, I also want to learn from Dawn in conversation with Dawn. So it's not like this is this big selfless endeavor. Yeah. You know, I do it because it's fun for me and I'm learning every episode. Um, so it's we, we want to engage ourselves, but in the process, hopefully engage a listener. So the, so what's the format? Is it just a conversation between the two two of you? Do you interview other people or or tell any sort of stories or is it is it just sort of a well, casual we, conversation? Well, we do um we have five categories we created um for the podcast show and we try to you know design episodes if you will that fit into these five categories. And one of them is uh featured guests. Okay. So we do hope like maybe we don't always do these in order. I mean, we're just starting out, but theoretically every fifth episode would be an interview with someone would bring in, mm-hmm. uh, maybe virtually bring in, which, so we've only done one featured guest. <laughs> so all the other <laughs> episodes have been us. And so the five categories, just to name them off, um, the first one is inspirations. And within that, we've come up with this expression, really Dawn came up with this expression, design hero. So we've talked about our design heroes. We discovered um, a new design hero that we talked about, new to us. Uh, The second category we call this with that. And so that's more of a design-focused category. What works with what? Does this work with that? 
and why. Um, big ideas is the third category. And in that bucket, we place sustainability. Um, Don has so much experience um, and knowledge about sustainability that we thought, and it's such a huge topic. We thought, well, let's huge. just, we could use that yeah. over and over. Um, yeah. And, and both then are, the fourth, and both are. Yeah. Careers. I mean, yeah. there's, and again, it's, it's, it's so different from our two vantage points. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of content there. Um, shop talk, a little bit kind of behind the scenes kind of stuff about being designers and, and our and architects and how, what we, what we talk about when we're talking about maybe the business of what we do. Um, and then the featured guests was the fifth category. Yeah. That sounds like a great format. I, and, and because it's an audience, a general audience of basically homeowners or residential design enthusiasts, right? That's sort of sure. the, the market, yeah. the people who, who um are passionate well not yeah well passionate or enthusiastic about their home right that they right they want to learn more about design and more about architecture and more about textiles and and uh it's a great mix of uh of a format yeah we hope hope the audience can take the information we're offering the process of design and you know implement it in some way if they're working on their own or you know in a small renovation and and implement that and not feel overwhelmed yeah. or intimidated right so teaching teaching your audience along the way yeah yeah so how technically how do you do this how do you record and i'm sure before covid-19 is is one answer and then after covid-19 is another um, but so how, mm-hmm. share a little bit about the technical aspects of it. How do you record and how often do you do you do that? Go, Katie. Okay, so um, the in the beginning, um, we didn't know what we were doing. So we thought maybe we should take a class, right? We're both into education. So I think we're like, all right, there's got to be a way to learn about how to do this. So locally in Providence, there's this um, organization called What Cheer Writers Club definitely want to give a shout out to them. So it's what, and what cheer, C-H-E-E-R? Yeah, it's an expression in Providence. It goes back, I don't Colonial, know, colonial, colonial Yeah, yep. and it meant kind of like, how's your day? What's your mood? What's your cheer? What cheer? Um, and there are a lot of buildings and enterprises and organizations in Providence that have that incorporated into their name, which I find interesting. Anyway, so there's this thing called What Cheer Writers Club, and they have a podcast recording studio um, and they offer monthly, or they have previously offered monthly, a podcasting 101 class. Um, so you go into their studio. Uh, they have a little classroom setting, and there were about 10 people at a time in this class. And you can only fit about five people in the studio, so you take turns. And we learned how to use the equipment, and we talked about the bigger picture stuff of, like, what is a podcast and how do you do it? Um, but I think that kind of got us started. So that's where yeah. we recorded in the beginning. They have great equipment. We didn't want to deal with, oh, God, what kind of technology? Yeah. Like, how should we record it? We just didn't want to start off with that. We wanted to kind of get into the content. Um, we wanted to get to the fun part <laughs> faster. <laughs> so we just went to the studio and recorded in the beginning until the COVID-19 thing. And, and now we've started recording remotely. Yeah, and, and that's a great way to do it. Right. Because that's that's very often the barrier to start a podcast is because yeah. it's, sure. it's that technology part of it, the, the equipment part of it. How do you record what equipment to buy? How do you get it up on the Internet? That's overwhelming. And people yeah. stop right there. Right? They, mm-hmm. they, and they don't they don't have the opportunity that you've had 
in being able to share your knowledge with an audience. And, and it, they, I think that opportunity is missed when people stop at that moment. Yeah. And, and, and the other thing is people don't happen to have a handy dandy podcast recording studio near them that offers exactly. classes is there's, and you know this Mark, cause you're a podcast, you know, there's lots of podcasts about podcasting. Yes, and I yes. think Don, we listened to several in the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, cause we, we were trying to figure out format and all the rest of it. And location, how are we going to do it? You know, but Katie's the one that found out about what chair and it turned out to be the perfect, the perfect solution. It's a beautiful little studio. All the equipment is there. It's very sharp, clear recording. And we knew at that point that, you know, that wasn't going to be a roadblock. The listeners will be able to hear a nice, clear conversation. Yeah. Actually, Unlike one of the, studio. can I tell a fun Dawn story? Cause, cause we went at the podcasting one-on-one class. I, Dawn had been humoring me, I think. Cause I'm like, Oh Dawn, no, we got to try this. And she's like, Oh my God. So I take her into this podcast class and, um, they take us into the, this is the first time either of us had had the sound canceling, you know, headset and the real fancy microphone. We're in the studio and they hooked us all up to different channels so we could hear each other and see the recording on the different channels on the laptop or whatever type of computer it was. And so they hooked up Dawn's headset and, and, and all of ours. And we all started talking, just saying this and that. And I, I interrupted and I said, wait a minute, wait a minute what is going on with Dawn's mic? I was like, how come Dawn's mic is so much clearer than everyone else's? <laughs> and they're like, okay, all the mics are the same. And there was a guy in the room who had radio experience and he said, she has a natural radio voice. And he, I don't, I can't remember Which who I this still gentleman find was. Flexing, but it, but, but okay. it was fantastic. <laughs> and, and he's like, yes. It's, and it, your voice, Dawn, something about the recording, you know, mm. just very clear. And I think when we could see, okay, this is going to sound fine, yeah. you know, let's yeah. not worry about that. Let's just shelve that problem and get right. into the bigger picture stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it does sound good. I've listened to episodes and it, and, and it sounds very good. And so, uh, okay. and, and, and I think that's a very important piece of a podcast because you can have all the, the knowledge to share in the world and you could even be super entertaining, but if the audio is not high quality, exactly. many people will go away because it, it's annoying, yeah. right? If it, yeah, it's it, annoying. It's, yeah. yeah. And yeah. there are too many other podcasts out there to listen to. Exactly. There's so many. So, so the, the audio is very important. And so that idea of going somewhere to learn how to get that audio right, how to buy the right equipment is a really important step. We will return to our conversation after this quick break to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, Arcat, Gusto, and Monograph. Unless you're working for one of the top architecture firms in the world, you know what it's like to work with limited resources. But there's one resource that you can access no matter what size your architecture firm, Arcat.com. Arcat is the online solution for your building product information needs. They offer BIM objects, CAD details, specifications, and much, much more from leading manufacturers from all over the world. Research building products and get the information you need all in the same place, fast and easy. And best of all, it's free. RCAT doesn't charge you anything for these resources. You don't even need to register or give them your email. And when I say it's free, there's no catch. Visit RCAT.com and try it out. Search for the resources that you need and RCAT will deliver. That's RCAT.com. That's A-R-C-A-T.com. RCAT.com. Build better. 
Taking care of your employees has never been more important than now. For years, Gusto has been helping more than 100,000 small business owners run payroll, offer benefits, onboard new employees, and more. They call it the people platform. And it doesn't just look nice, and it does look nice. It also works. Your payroll taxes are filed, deductions are calculated, and your team gets paid. You can even offer health insurance and 401ks as you grow. As a listener of the Entree Architect podcast, you will get three months free after your first payroll when you go to entrearchitect.com slash gusto. That's entrearchitect.com slash gusto. And make sure that you let them know that you're a member of the Entree Architect community. Gusto, the people platform. Visit entrearchitect.com slash gusto today. Are you tired of spreadsheets? Of using spreadsheets to keep track of your project plans, your budgets, your staff, your time? Spreadsheets. Our friends at Monograph know what that's like because they're architects too. They know all about that spreadsheet mess that you're dealing with. So they did something about it. Monograph is a time tracking and project management tool built for architects by architects to respond to the challenges that small and medium-sized firms face on their quest to a profitable business. With Monograph's integrated suites of tools, you'll stay on track and on budget without the overhead of wrangling spreadsheets every day. Improve your firm's operations today. Try Monograph for free at entrearchitect.com slash monograph. Ditch the spreadsheets. Visit entrearchitect.com slash monograph and try Monograph today for free. Arcat, Gusto, and Monograph. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. When COVID-19 did happen and you did need to go home and get locked down and you did continue to record, how did you do that? How did you learn enough through that course to be able to buy the equipment that you're well, you know, I think we had a handout, Don. I saved the handout from the course because we <laughs> didn't need all the stuff on the handout because we were like, yeah, we're not doing any of that. We're just using the studio, shelf that page. Right. But I still had the page that, that recommended the difference, you know, and I had listened to the podcast on podcasting. Yep. Uh, I, I wish I could give a proper plug to whoever it was I listened to. And um, oh, you could send me the link if you want to look it up. And yeah, send it. We'll put it on it the show notes. Yeah. It, we found it somehow. And, you know, maybe. Yeah. Anyway. He, this gentleman that I listened to on the podcast about podcasting, recommended the um, the editing program that we ended up getting because that was also on the list that the that we got the, from the class. The class. And I was like, okay, yeah. it's being referred to twice. Done. You know, <laughs> next decision. So we got the editing software, and then um, someone recommended, and I'm now I'm a little foggy um, on going, and maybe this is just random, but someone said that they had heard good things about the audio quality if you go through Google Hangouts as opposed to many of these other shared um, meeting things. So that's what we did. So we record through Google Hangouts on this uh, software that uh, I acquired. And it's it's been okay. Like I have an echoey space, so I found I had to put a lot of, um, actually a lot of pillows around my office. Yeah. Uh, Dawn has oh, fabric you have stuff. Those. I do. I have, yeah. I have like Dawn's stylish pillows. <laughs> and Dawn has so many textiles in her studio that I felt like she didn't really have the echo problem that I had. Yeah. Yeah. The fabric helps yeah. a lot, which is why I have yeah. the, yes. the curtain behind me and the carpet yeah. on the floor. Mm -hmm. It helps the, the audio quite a bit. And yeah. so, so that's that's very interesting. Um, 
A couple of uh, potential people it may have been was Cliff Ravenscraft. He's the podcast answer man. When you when you, I think I would remember that because I love those that alliteration of the the K sound or the C sound. No, it was not that. And it could have um, been Pat Flynn from Pat, Smart Passive Income. He also has a great podcast. It was, not, it was not him either. Okay, so, well, if you find it, um, send it to me, and I'll put I it will. in the show notes because I think people will will look for it. Um, and I'll put mm-hmm. the show notes in the show notes those two that I mentioned. And so if anybody's sure. interested in that. Um, all right. So this is very, very interesting. So we talked about how you record, uh, how you're actually getting the sound right. Then the last two things, well, three things I want to know is, is, and I can sort of give you a heads up on what I'm asking. I want to talk about a little bit about the show notes side of it, uh, because Katie, you're a writer and a photographer. Um, and so, and the show notes look really good. And so I'm sure that's part of it. Um, and then I want to know about how you're getting the word out, how you're promoting this. And then if there's any sort of um, advantage of, of doing this, I understand that you're coming together, sharing knowledge with one another, helping to sort of um, uh, educate your audience. But is there a specific end goal in mind of doing all of this work? Uh, so let's start with the show notes. Do you sort of have a, an idea of how and why you put together the show notes? Well, as 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 you know from doing a, a podcast, it's just audio, right? And we work in a visual art, you know, both of us. So um, we felt it was really important to put, you know, visual content references to what we're talking about somewhere. Um, like the most recent episode we did was Dormers. And uh, and that was very funny because poor Dawn was, was like trying to bear with me in my description Katie, of these dormers. Katie knows a lot about dormers. <laughs> yeah. I, I listened to that like, episode. It was a great episode. <laughs> <laughs> so there are times when you just have to have a visual, you know, and so, but then there are other topics we have where actually getting visuals was a little tricky. We're like, oh my God, well, how are we going to illustrate this? But, um, basically sometimes, and you may have noticed, Mark, when you looked at, you call them show notes, you know, we call them blog posts and they uh, are of a different length. So if there's something that I felt we left out or something that really needed more fleshing out, um, I will make a much longer post with actually some information that's new to the discussion that really wasn't even part of the podcast Mm -hmm. because I felt like, you know, it should have been part or maybe this is a better way to supplement it. And then others are quite short. It's like, just go listen to it. It's all there. Yeah. But here's the imagery and here are the, you know, the necessary links um, to what we talk about. Yeah, that's and that's why I wanted to bring it up, because it's not really show notes. It really is a companion blog to the podcast. Yes, it is. Yeah. It and, is. It's and, a lot of work. Katie's handling all that. But yeah. it's so well done. I it think. is very well done, which is why I wanted to bring it. And, and people can go look at it at designmeahouse.com. They can go see the whole thing. They can see all the all of the, the posts and how it's put together. Um very well done. So I wanted to make sure we touched on that. Then, then um, the idea of promotion. How are you getting an audience? How are you getting the word out about what you're doing and how you're doing it? <laughs> this is where we look at each other blankly. Well, <laughs> you know, we're glad to be here. You know, we're trying to do things like this. We've gotten some local press. Um, and then Dawn has a, a pretty good presence online with her website and her social media. And so we've been promoting it there. We've been promoting it on my stuff, my website, and my social media. Um, but we're really, I think that we are trying to figure that out. How do you get the word out? There are so many podcasts um, right. and people only have so much time. And how do you reach the people who want to hear your podcast? I mean, our friends have been very polite, right? Yes. In the beginning, we were like, we need reviews. <laughs> so 
we were like getting friends and family like say something you know so they're like kind of maxed out i think we have to like <laughs> we kind of find a bigger right audience you spent the family and friends yes. uh balance you're exactly. you're over over balance but let me let me share something on this whole thing yeah. um my neighbor where i live right across the street from me used to work for um wgbh and she was part of a program called chronicle that boston airs it's a segment on you know small towns around new england and they focused on bristol and she did a lovely segment in my studio last year on the you know the town of bristol and focused on several businesses and ended up here in my studio well i mentioned to her and it was great i got a lot of you know calls and customers from that but she mentioned to me last week she said in on the street when i was leaving in the morning she was like dawn you have a podcast i love it i oh, love good. it it's great um and you should call the people at chronicle and tell them you're doing this podcast and i did and now they've got our podcast linked on that page oh, that great. chronicle boston page so you know there are little things like that that happen and we just kind of jump on it and take advantage of it but that was just so you know katie she absolutely loved it so Fantastic. i was like wow people are listening she's not related to us finally first one yay <laughs> it was great that's very funny and and you know i i think that that sharing your stories especially your stories because you both have really great stories um, and so sharing those stories on other podcasts that have similar audiences is a great way to boost your audience because they're already podcast listeners, right? That's the first hurdle right. is to right. get, yeah. get your yes. information out to people who already want podcasts and people who are, are interested in what you're talking about. And so, you know, d doing, you know, it's, it's great to be on my show. My show's all architects, but right. the way we can leverage my show is to ask our audience to share a link to your show to their clients and their friends and right because definitely all of the entree architect community should go listen because there's lots to learn there um and and it's it's a great podcast so you'll be inspired by Thank that you. but you you will also you. have a tool to be able to share with your clients when you need to share you know to have them teach you're trying to teach them something you can share an episode with them and so i would that would be people awesome. do that as well so I mean, that, if you have clients confused about dormers, <laughs> yes, there's an hour long episode on dormers. You should go listen. It's a, so let's 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 wrap things up um, before I ask the final question that I ask everybody. But I wanted to know, you know, sort of the 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 benefit to you because podcasting is a lot of work, as you know. Uh, it takes a lot of work to start it it takes a lot of effort and and discipline to continue with it most podcasts don't last Absolutely. beyond 10 episodes and so why do it well i think we do it you know as i was saying i think it's both for my at least from my point of view both for my own interest um i'm interested in learning how dawn works and i'm also interested in shaping and creating a new um, I was going to say product. It's not really a product, a new entity that serves the design community, homeowners, you know. Um, exactly. I mean, basically, I think we want to make a difference mm -hmm. um, in people's design lives. And since we're both in the residential world, mm -hmm. we feel pretty strongly that if you can make a difference in someone's home, that will really make a difference in their lives. And I, I think it's 
you know, what is, what is the goal? It's just, you know, it could be as small as to make a difference. We're not, it, there isn't like some premeditated, <laughs> yeah, there isn't some premeditated, you know, if this, then that, you know, I, I think we launched it in part because I thought it would be fun, frankly. And I'd love to learn about doing new things. And it seemed like uh, a fun way to get the word out in a different avenue. Like they always say, go where your where your listener or your client is. Well, you know, maybe some of them are big podcast aficionados, but they're not big on buying Katie's books, you know, or so it's just kind of maybe another way to, yeah. to reach folks. Yeah. Yeah. And if, for me, it's just um, I really enjoy working in with Katie and talking to Katie about what she does as an architect. Um, I don't know a lot about architecture or design of architecture, but it so relates to the customers I work with directly. They're renovating their homes. That's why they're hiring me to come in with textiles. So, you know, that connection between Katie and I and these two worlds of textiles and architecture are, it's a, it's a perfect symbiosis, I think. I, I really am enjoying learning a lot about what Katie does and how she deals with her clients, how she talks to her clients. And um, yeah, so I think it'll benefit both of us in the long run. I hope so. If we stay on the air. Yeah. I mean, I know we're, we're up to our next episode is only going to be episode eight. And you mentioned that I'm on episode 250. What episode <laughs> number is this for you, Mark? This is episode uh, 343. Oh, wow. My. God. Yeah. So, you know, we're yeah. just newbies. We're newbies out here trying to get started. Yeah. Well, that's very I, impressive. I, I am sure it's that if you choose to, you will have a very large audience because it's a great conversation. You have great chemistry. Uh, you focused on the audio and the quality. And so it, you have all the different pieces. And so uh, I definitely. Yeah, I, I think that you'll you'll be very successful. Just keep going because that's the hardest part is the discipline right. up front to get started. Yep. And, yep. and your audience will grow slowly and it'll just keep going. It'll just keep growing and growing and growing. Uh, before we wrap up, I'd like to ask you both the last question, the final question that I ask everybody. I'm going to start with Katie. Uh, what is one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? Okay, so this, this answer is something we've been taught since we were you know, children, but ask questions. I, I just feel like the more questions you ask, the more you're going to learn, the more interested you're going to be in asking the next question, the, the chance opportunity of something new might come along when you ask questions. I think um, all the things that I've done with my business have been the result of a question. You know, what can I do differently? What could be next? Oh, gee, how did they do that? How would I do that? How could I do something like that, but in a different way? So, and who is that person? What does that person do? You know, oh, that's interesting. When did they start doing that? How did they start? So I just find asking the questions and being curious about, you know, the design world, but also the people around you. I mean, Don and I met um, someone who had um, a connection with, with one of the topics we ended up, we talked about this exhibit that's coming out by this uh, textile designer named Susie Zuzek, who we had never heard of. And there's an exhibit of her work coming out at the Cooper Hewitt this summer. And we only learned about this artist who we both thought was so fascinating because I happened to ask a question of someone who was in, you know, I, I row in a rowing shell, you know, out in the, in the nearby cove and someone else who rose in, you know, in that group, I asked them what they did. And then it kind of just led to this discovery 
um, that they had a connection with this book and this exhibit. And, you know, it's just, you just never know. Um, And that happens from from curiosity, right? Everything that you just said sounds like be curious. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. That's amazing. Great. Yeah. It is amazing. That particular story was amazing. Just from that one question you asked that woman, it turned into a whole podcast and <laughs> endless discussion. Did you, did you meetings <laughs> in my studio? Everything. Did you Great. share the background wonderful. of that in that episode? Because I saw that episode. I haven't listened to it. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe we just. I think we just said that we had met it. someone. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we just said that we had met someone yeah. who had a connection. Yep. Interesting. Mm-hmm. How about you, Don? What is what is one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? Um, well, that's a tough question for me as a non-architect. But I would say, because um, I have worked with other architects besides Katie, I think from my own perspective and trying to my trying to adhere to my mission, maybe architects could ask questions specifically about, you know, all of the systems and materials that they specify and how they build as it relates to, you know, the future, sustainably um, produced buildings, sustainably built buildings, however that that happened. I've had conversations with Katie about how involved the architecture world is when it comes to sustainability. I make one product. I can make it in a very clean way. Architecture is a much more complex endeavor there are systems involved, much bigger than mine. Um, so educating, as if I'm talking to an architect, educating you about parameters in the built environment, really thinking about the materials and the systems, because we can't just keep making things and building buildings that have no consideration for the future and how they're built and how they use water and all of that. Um, and the same with my own business, you know, I mean, I really want to continue to make a sustainable product because it's important not to use up all of the, um, what's the word, just to continue to make a clean product that is healthy for people to use yeah. and not make so much of it that it ends up in a landfill. <laughs> right, right. That's all. Yep. Very good. Um, Don Oliveira, Katie Hutchison, that's their names. Uh, you can find more about Katie and everything she does at katiehutchison.com. We'll have links on our show notes. Everything that Dawn is doing is at oliveratextiles.net, oliveratextiles.net. It's O-L-I-V-E-I-R-A, textiles.net. Um, you can learn all about the podcast. This is a link that you should share with all your clients, designmeahouse.com. It's like it's basically the companion blog to the podcast, but you can also listen to the podcast there. You can subscribe to the podcast there. Um, you could follow them on on Instagram at Design Me a House Podcast. So go subscribe there as well. And if you have any questions or suggestions for episodes, hit them at the email info at designmeahouse.com. Katie, Don, thank you very much for spending some time with me and sharing thank your you, knowledge Mark. today at Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you, Mark, so much for your interest. We really appreciate it. Yeah, this was wonderful. Really good. Fun. You have been listening to Entree Architect Podcast, episode 341. The link to share is entrearchitect.com slash episode 341. That's the link to share. I ask you to do that every week. Just one person. Think about one person who may not know what we're doing here at Entree Architect Podcast. 
send them the link entrearchitect.com slash episode 341 for this episode. They listen to the episode. They subscribe. We grow. We have a bigger impact on the profession, one architect at a time. And it's because of you, because you shared that link today. So thank you for doing that. We grow every month because of people like you sharing each week, link by link, architect by architect. Thank you. EntreeArchitect.com slash episode 341. Katie Hutchinson, Don Oliveira. What a great conversation I had. Go check them out. Designmeahouse.com. Go like and subscribe their podcast. I appreciate that. And before I, I let you go, we will, Jeff, Jeff Eccles and I, we will provide all the guidance, all the support, all the resources you need to build a powerful, effective brand and start attracting your best clients in 30 days. 30 days, guaranteed 30 days. We can do that. Go check it out, entrearchitect.com slash build your brand. We are going to work with you day by day. Every day, we're going to work to build a new brand that is going to attract the clients that you want. Are you on the feast or famine roller coaster, right? Sometimes it's great, sometimes it's terrible, or maybe you're working with the wrong client, right? You're not working with your ideal client. They're not paying you what you what you deserve. You're not working on the projects that you wanna work with. You need to build a brand to attract a consistent ideal client to your firm day in, day out, every day. We can help you do that at the Build Your Brand Workshop. EntreeArchitect.com slash build your brand to learn more. Go check it out. We're going to work 30 days on day 31. You'll be ready to launch, ready to go. EntreeArchitect.com slash build your brand. Go check that out. Thank you, my friends. Thanks for listening. Love, learn, and share what you know. We'll see you next week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders, Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long-term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? 
Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.